0: What does it take to be a leader? Let's find out with today's guest, Steve Forbes. Welcome to another episode of Question Everything, where we connect young leaders with experts in entrepreneurship, publishing, and design. I'm your host, Carly Sotis, and today I'm in New Jersey at the Forbes office speaking with Steve Forbes. Mr. Forbes is the chairman and editor-in-chief of Forbes Media. Forbes is the nation's leading business magazine, and Forbes.com reaches nearly 70 million users each month. Mr. Forbes is also the author of a number of books and was a presidential candidate for the Republican Party in 1996 and 2000. In today's episode, Mr. Forbes shares his experiences in college and talks about how he started his first business magazine as a student. We also discuss what it takes to be an effective communicator and how to deal with criticism and pressure in leadership roles. It's an honor to have you on the program today, so thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Now, today you're most prominently known as the Chairman and Editor-in-Chief of America's leading business magazine, but what people may not know about you is that you actually founded your first business magazine when you were in college, and it was called Business Today. Could you tell us more about that publication and what inspired you to start it?
1: Well, I think uh, probably I have uh, media or publishing genes. Uh, when I was growing up, I liked to do news sheets for my classmates at school. Uh, once uh, did one grading my teachers. <laughs> I felt they could grade me. I could return the favor. Did not go over it very well. <laughs> uh, when I, then when uh, college, uh, with two others, we helped uh, start a magazine called Business Today, Uh, to bring a balanced perspective of uh, commerce and business to uh, the student world, uh, published by undergraduates and still uh, going on today, largest student publication in the country, in the U.S. And each year they do a couple of conferences, bringing students from around the world. So it's a thriving concern, uh, which is a source of uh, uh, pride that uh, they've been able to continue it uh, all of these years.
0: What do you think is the key to building a successful and sustainable publication?
1: The, the, the key is to uh, keep in mind what the late, great management guru Peter Drucker once said. He said, uh, businesses should always remind themselves, what is your mission? What is your purpose? Because if you know what you're there for, then you don't get quite as upset, hung up, or hamstrung when the means to achieve that goal change. In our business, uh, print, which was print for decades, uh, the whole model has been destroyed. Everything, um, not everything, but much of what I learned, what my siblings learned, has gone out the window. Uh, Forbes magazine was started almost a century ago by my grandfather, immigrant from Scotland, one of ten children, grade school education. Uh, But like millions who came to the U.S., he had dreams and ambitions and an opportunity to realize them. And uh, what uh, he would see, what my father would see who succeeded him uh, today would just uh, absolutely confound them. Uh, The idea that newspapers are on the ropes, the idea that magazines are uh, declining, uh, the idea that you get your information now on a thing you call a web tablet from the web uh, iPad, whatever name you want to give to it, would have uh, been incomprehensible. But it's all about communications, and it's all about having that mission and goal and uh, figuring out how you uh, achieve that in very much changing times and circumstances. So uh, we were fortunate that when we went into electronic publishing back in the mid-1990s, uh, we did not make the mistake that other publishers made who thought that if you took the printed page and put it on the web that was electronic publishing uh, that was similar that kind of idea was similar to over 120 years ago when movies were invented uh, people some people initially had the idea that a feature film would be filming a stage play no very different mediums so uh, we separated them from the beginning put it in a separate building, separate staff, reported to my brother and to me, not the chain of command, because in business or in anything else, if you're doing something, you bend and use everything for that purpose. And so we did not want uh, the web to be subsumed by uh, print mentality, and so we kept it separate. Then uh, about ten years later, with the adolescent... uh, web now capable of standing on its own feet, we made the decision to combine the two. They would not be separated. You would be working for both, not for one or the other. That was easier said than done. You had a culture clash. Uh, People on the print side thought that web journalism was junk. Uh, The web journalists thought that the print journalists were lazy, uh, too, uh, too full of themselves, and uh, didn't know how to turn out copy on a regular basis. So a lot of people couldn't make the transition. Uh, now it seems uh, seamless, but it certainly wasn't at the time, bringing two cultures together like that.
0: You've seen a lot of changes in the publishing industry over the years. What do you think will happen with it in the next decade or so? Do you have any predictions of where it will be going?
1: What you can only safely say is that it will change. For example, on the website, uh, it's hard to believe, but five or six years ago, most people uh, had PCs, uh, handhelds, uh, what we call mobile devices were very small. Five years ago, less than 2% of our traffic came from mobile devices, now it's about 60%. And content that appears on a mobile device is very different from content that appears on a a nice uh, tablet, um, a nice PC, or even an iPad, even though an iPad is considered a mobile device. And uh, so uh, in terms of content, in terms of uh, advertising, those have posed uh, enormous challenges have devices now that uh, do away with ads. Uh, one of the things we concluded is that uh, trying to establish a paywall is preposterous. A couple of people can get away with it. The Journal so far has the Wall Street Journal. The New York Times has so far, sort of. But uh, uh, as in a restaurant, we expect the bread and the butter and the water to be free. Uh, so too, uh, online, you expect to get to it and so these things normally have to pay for themselves with advertising. But the key thing, again, is uh, getting that information across. Content creation has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, back in the old days, you had an editorial staff. You might, uh, the pubs might use freelance writers and the like. But uh, we would turn out twelve or 1,300 articles a year. We still do today. But in addition to an editorial staff, we now have over 1,800 contracted contributors for our uh, website. And you get paid by the traffic you generate. So uh, editing that area is very different from the traditional print area.
0: When you have so many contributors coming from so many different backgrounds, how do you sh- make sure that everybody's sharing that common vision and filter the information?
1: Part of it, or a key part, is uh, when you bring on a contributor, that individual brings an expertise in a certain area. And uh, we figure that the need to draw an audience will discipline you on learning how to write fairly quickly. If you can't, then obviously you don't last and we let you go.
0: What do you think the keys are to being a good writer?
1: The key to... uh, being a good writer is having a clear mind. What are you trying to say? Say it simply. And like many things, there are very few natural born writers you learn through practice. Constant, constant doing. There is no substitute. You may have heard uh, some people who say you must do 10,000 hours to learn to do the violin, or the Beatles did it 10,000 hours. So when they emerged, they were really uh, superb. Um, I'm not sure about the 10,000, but uh, the, the idea that you have to keep doing it to get it is absolutely true. And one of the failings of uh, universities in this country, I don't know what it's like in uh, Canada, is uh, not focusing enough on writing. And uh, when you sit down, what point are you trying to make? Or if you don't want to make a point, know that you're not trying to make mm-hmm. a
0: point. You studied history in college. Did you do a lot of writing before that or throughout college?
1: In college, I did writing of papers, which I hated to do like most students, and uh, did some writing for Business Today magazine, uh, but not nearly on the scale that uh, I do now. And uh, so. Uh, uh, and, again, one of the key things in successful writing is uh, who, what audience are you trying to reach. And an essay is different from an article. It's different from a tweet. It's very different from a book. And you don't have to master all of those mediums, but you have to know who you're trying to reach, what point you're trying to get across.
0: For sure. When you were in college, what was your favorite thing about history and studying that subject?
1: Well, the truth be told, I probably, I can tell you, I didn't spend enough time in the classroom. <laughs> spent more of it uh, doing the magazine, which was, a, I guess, a graduate course, you might say, in and of itself. Learning, you can say it, but until you do it, you don't realize the nitty-gritty detail that goes making things happen. And, you uh, Things just don't show up. Things just don't get written. Things just don't get produced. It takes a lot of detail, scut work. It's a good lesson to learn.
0: What advice would you give to young people who are interested in writing or maybe starting their own publications?
1: Well, in terms of uh, starting a publication or starting a blog or website or whatever, uh, ask yourself, what is it you are trying to do? Are you trying to brand yourself? Are you trying to establish an area of expertise where people will uh, migrate to you? Are you just using it to uh, get exercise? Um, uh, do you want to uh, combine with the uh, original content aggregation, aggregating and bringing pieces from uh, other sites? Uh, so again, it's about getting that message. and learning now, especially with the flexibility of the web, you can bring in graphs very easily, you can bring in pictures very easily. And so a good discipline would be to uh, take a, a thought, uh, a, a well-out thought, not just, uh, oh, I feel lousy today, okay, doesn't tell me very much why your dog die, or some tragedy happened or you had a headache or what, uh, but get it across in uh, 140 characters, Twitter, me. Mm-hmm be under pressure these days but uh, in the old days they had telegrams since you paid in those days by the word which was very expensive money you learned. Be concise uh, and don't use I know or uh, all the things you do in normal conversation. Get to the point.
0: How do you think you developed such a clear vision?
1: Part of it is uh, curiosity and part of it is How do I convey it so that people understand it in a way that I understood it? Since most things we don't know, uh, most things we have to learn, uh, you go through your mind. What what hammers home the point? That's why similes, metaphors are so powerful. Uh, People say, ah, yes, I get it. So trying to find that I get it phrase that brings it home to people uh, academics make the mistake of thinking that if people actually understand what they're saying they're not being profound or if you can use a hundred words instead of two use the hundred uh, no uh, communication should uh, have respect for the person you want to reach For sure.
0: you took over forbes media when your father passed away and i can imagine that would have been a really difficult time for you What was the hardest part of making that transition?
1: My father uh, was very flamboyant. He was a uh, public persona. He'd have done very well in this day and age of uh, reality TV. (laughs) Um, He was a better motorcycle rider. So uh, uh, to me, motorcycles, are. I will always be too young to ride them. I know my limitations. (laughs) And uh, in terms of uh, the uh, other things, I think the key is, uh, as my father said, and I'm glad he emphasizes this with us, is develop your own style. Don't try to imitate. You can be uh, use others as models, but learn, and you will learn. You don't arrive full-blown. And that's uh, one of the things that uh, people sometimes... Uh, mistake that when they go out in the world and they're not a roaring success by the age of 30 uh, somehow you're not measuring up. Uh, Steve Jobs is the classic example. By the age of 30 he'd been fired from his own company. Even though he had a genius in certain areas he was a failure as a leader. He learned painfully over the next few years how you uh, bring people together, how you get things done. And uh, it was never easy for him, but he mastered it and became a great leader but he was not born that way and so recognize when you go out of school one of the things I wish they'd tell you when you graduate warn you is that up to now your whole life has been structured each year grades freshman sophomore you know, certain periods of time you do certain things you're constantly being evaluated yes and the private sector, or when you get a job, you get an evaluation maybe once every six months or once a year, but it ain't the same as uh, getting the report card. So, a lot of people feel at loose ends. It's like the first time you go away from home, you I mean, gets uh, homesick. It's normal. So, don't feel at a loss, or how am I doing, or so-and-so is doing well. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to get anywhere. Birthdays are approaching. Wah, wah. Uh, put it in perspective, and uh, sadly the the best teacher is making mistakes and uh, key thing is uh, what you learn from them and also contrary to what F. Scott Fitzgerald said you can do second acts um, and you see it you, and one of the people are more uh, open to that idea if you're older but young people can have second acts you can f- make a mess of things in the 20s or 30s and still uh, still put it together and uh, even pursue a totally new career. There's one example. Our uh, publisher wrote a few months ago about a man in Florida, oncologist, cancer, very successful, highly respected in the field, ran a hospital, and huge success. And at the age of 65, decided to become a commercial pilot. Uh, Not for a regular airline, because in this country you have to retire at age 65, but for charters and the like. Learn to become a pilot. Always as a kid wanted to do it, just decided he would do it and did it. So uh, thanks to longevity, if you're not filled by disease, uh, you can have more than one life. (laughs) This thing, always pursue your passion. Sometimes you have to learn what is your passion, and that only comes from uh, trying things we don't arrive full-blown oh, this is my pathway you may think you have it but be open you may not and you may learn
0: what were some of the things you did when you were younger to discover your passions
1: uh... just doing it uh... whether it was the magazine at college uh, in terms of uh, economics being curious why did certain things go wrong Were the explanations we were provided in the textbooks uh... Did they hold up so searching beneath the surface of things. And if you have curiosity, your mind will be fine.
0: Now, you've started your own magazines. You've managed a media company. And in 96 and 2000, you ran in the presidential race. And that's something that takes a great deal of courage that most people don't have. And I'm wondering how you found that courage and what motivated you to run?
1: Well, entrepreneurship, whether in business or going in uh, the political arena, uh, sometimes... Uh, it's best not to know everything in advance. You'll learn as you go. And uh, mine came by happenstance. I would not intended to uh, go into elective politics. Uh, back then, I was heading up an organization called Empower America, a reform group that had been uh, founded by Jack Kemp, who was a noted figure at the time in American politics, Bill Bennett, who's still with us today, and Gene Kirkpatrick, who had been U.S. ambassador to the U.N. And uh, we all thought that we were really doing uh, work to lay the groundwork for Jack Kemp to run for president in 1996. He'd run in 88, had been in the Bush cabinet, and he seemed the natural. And he called us in in December of 94, just before Christmas, and stunned us when he told us he wasn't running so the question became, whoa. Who's wh- going to do it? <laughs> who, 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 who do we back? And I didn't find uh, candidates who uh, had the Kemp-Reagan optimism, pro-growth uh, platform. And uh, so uh, I guess I took a page from my grandfather. Instead of complaining, go do it yourself. My grandfather started Forbes magazine and was a writer wrote about entrepreneurs, and decided to become one himself.
0: What was the biggest challenge you faced when you made that decision?
1: Uh, aside from learning to get back to sleep at night, uh, was um, learning uh, to be in a whole different environment 24-7, learning that everything you say will be held against you. Uh, having an organization put together, knowing how to delegate And uh, so you're in a whole new world. Most people are not wishing you well, especially if you establish credibility. Uh, The media usually, uh, especially on my side, uh, does not like people of a conservative bent. So uh, you have to uh, adjust to that world and uh, taking what Peter Drucker said, remind yourself, why are you doing this? And I had some ideas I wanted to get done, and uh, if I couldn't do them, at least I'd get them out there and get the, get the ball rolling.
0: Policy aside, what do you think the most vital characteristics leaders must have to be successful and to get people engaged in what they're saying? Uh,
1: one is, what are you trying to do? What is the goal? Establishing trust with people. There are various ways to do it, so they will uh, go along with you. Uh, learning how to delegate authority you may be able to do a certain job better than somebody else but is that the best use of your time even if you could do it better than the person who is doing it uh, recognizing what uh, people are good at and what they're not and recognizing in one situation they may be perfect in another situation they may be uh, not good for this at all um, uh, also recognizing that no matter how bright you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how on top of the game you are, you will make mistakes, either because of, because of circumstances or because of mistakes you made, but you're going to face crises. And sometimes there's going to be no playbook. You're going to have to draw inside to deal with this thing with no uh, no guarantee of success. And uh, you got to have that uh, fortitude. To, to face that you have to be an innovator if you're going to be other than a run-of-the-mill leader and uh, that too uh, is risky uh, most new businesses fail and uh, it's not an easy thing to uh, have uh, have that uh, smacked at you so uh, uh, if you have the temperament for it great if not recognize it we're not we're not all the same we're not all the same so uh you can have, I hate to trivialize it, flavors of the month of, uh, of kinds of people we want to be. And, uh, no, you've got to understand who you are. You may have to change in the face of circumstance. And one of the things of a leader, too, is you have to sometimes be willing to go in a situation where you're not fully prepared. But it's the opportunity, and if you don't take it now, it's probably never going to come back again, and you just have to go in and uh, do the best you can. There's no, uh, oftentimes in these situations, there are no graduate schools where I go in with my degree and I know how to do finesse. You'd be just thrown in the water, mm-hmm. so to speak. You have to learn how to swim.
0: How have you dealt with that uncertainty? You just
1: do it. You know, you may uh, have, uh, you know, people deal with it in certain ways. Some uh, eat uh, food they shouldn't eat, uh, whatever. But uh, there, 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 there is no potion that will, oh, okay, I'll get a good night's sleep. Tonight. <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah. I wanted to talk about one of your books for a moment, Power, Ambition, Glory. I want to read something from it here. You discuss the characteristics of leaders like Alexander the Great, and you say that he was ultimately destroyed by his inability to set limits for himself and to manage his success. His head was turned by vanity and remains the classic example of Aristotle's warning that it's more important for a leader to conquer himself than to conquer others. Could you elaborate on what you meant by that?
1: Well, one of the challenges is when you succeed at something, you really believe you know what you're doing. So in uh, business, you may not realize the world's changing and what worked yesterday is not going to work today. But uh, the key in in all of this, the key in all of this is uh, adaptability having your principles, but recognizing you're going to have to adapt and learning when you make the change and when you say, this will pass, I'm not going to get upset about it, I'm going to just ride it by.
0: One last question. I was going to ask you, you're the father of five daughters, and I'm wondering how you've managed your personal life and your professional life.
1: Your personal life and professional life sometimes just meld together, but there is no uh, formula uh... The, and sometimes you're gonna sacrifice make sacrifices and uh... the idea that you can do everything you can balance everything especially if you're in leadership or entrepreneurship just not possible and uh... so uh... you uh, try to do what you can and uh... especially with your spouse and uh... work things out and. Uh, figure out what is the f- what approach you're going to take with raising kids. I'll give you just one example, which will not sound very nice, but we figured my wife and I that we should uh, with, the, with the kids, do one thing that was absolutely, utterly unreasonable, but we're going to be inflexible about it. In this case, pierced ears. No pierced ears until you're 18. I my friend, don't care. Not going to do it. Just establish Certain things, and uh, I don't know what they're going to do with their kids, but uh, just one one thing, and you try to get certain lessons across. And recognizes my father liked to say, "You know, you're a successful parent when you become an embarrassment to your children." It's just <laughs> part and parcel of bringing kids up.
0: I had the same thing <clears throat> happen with my parents. They wouldn't let me get my ears pierced. Oh. And looking back, I'm grateful because it, it did teach me that you can't have everything right now, right away, and sometimes things just are the way they are
1: yeah 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 yeah. it holds in good stead
0: yeah okay well thank you so much for joining me today it's been a pleasure to speak with you thank you thank you for joining us today on question everything where we bring you inspiration and insights from creative minds and experts in entrepreneurship publishing and design if you enjoyed today's episode you can download the show at itunes soundcloud and at citr.ca